the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, senior pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Blessing Others with Our Prayers. Or we could even call it Prayers That Bless Others. So let me ask a question. How many of you would say that you have been blessed by the prayers of others? I'm sure that most most of us can testify that we have been blessed by the prayers of others. Even people that we do not know who have been praying for us. And we know that we are who we are because of the prayers that have been prayed for us and the blessing that God has uh, given to us. So if God has blessed you, he expects you to be a blessing to others. If someone else's prayers blessed you, then your prayers should be a blessing to others. James 5.16 tells us we should pray for each other. We are supposed to pray prayers that bless others. Not just prayers for ourselves, but prayers that bless others. Acts chapter 12, 1 through 19, which was read for us by Dr. Rand Boxel, is a great example of praying that blesses others. King Herod wanted to please the Jews who hated Christians, so he had James the brother of John, one of the apostles, arrested and executed for being a follower of Jesus. The crowd loved it. So he had Peter arrested with the intention of having him executed after the Passover holiday. Peter is heavily guarded in prison, awaiting execution. But Acts chapter 12 and verse 5 says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The result of the church praying for Peter was that an angel showed up, led him out of the prison, and allowed him to go to the house where the church had been praying for him. They were surprised to see him. In fact, they could not believe that uh, Peter... Uh, was was there. But the next day, the king, King Herod, learned that Peter was not in the prison. So after examining the, the guards, 
and uh, they could not explain what was going on, uh, he had them executed. It's a very interesting passage of scripture from which we can learn four fundamental lessons about prayers that bless others. First, we must leave the results up to God. We must leave the results up to God. So when you look at the story in Acts 12, King Herod seemed to have all the power. The only thing the Christians had was prayer to their God. The passage tells us that Herod assigned four squads of guards to guard Peter. He had a guard chained to each of Peter's hands. There were two guards right outside the cell and two more outside the door of the, of the prison itself. And at night, of course, there was an iron gate which was locked so that no one could get out. So from a human point of view, there was no way Peter could avoid execution. It seemed that Peter had no chance whatever from a human standpoint of avoiding execution. But God was at work in the situation, and he sends an angel into the prison, and Peter walks out of the prison. So who had the power in the story? God. The story is all about what God can do when Christians pray. Sometimes we get to the mindset of, if I just pray right, if I use the right words, if I'm fervent enough, if sincere enough, pray long enough, then I will get through to God and he will hear me. But that's not the way it works at all. In addition to our praying, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays for us. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 26 and 27, he says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So there are moments in your life when you cannot articulate the words that you want to send to God. All you can say is, Lord, have mercy. And sometimes you can't even say that. The tears just come running down your face and you feel helpless. But thank God that he has made a provision for us by having the Holy Spirit to put into words that, um, that we can't uh, articulate. And so when our prayers bless others, it's all because of the work of the Holy Spirit that is at work in us and through our prayers. When our prayers are answered, he gets the credit. If it were about us being sincere enough, praying long enough or hard enough, then we would get the credit. No, it's all about God's power. 
We can pray, but it's not about us. It's not even about the people we are praying for. It's all about God doing his work in a way that gives him the credit so that people will hear and believe. See, when you pray, leave it up to God to answer as he pleases. He doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer because God's will is paramount here. And all we need to do is to talk to him and let him make the final decision. So it's all about his power. But secondly, we must be real in our prayers. Acts chapter 12, 5 tells us that the church was praying earnestly for Peter's release. But we're not given the actual words to their prayers. If we had their words, then we would probably use them as we do using the words of our slave ancestors, those prayers that sound so articulate. Somebody would say, I have the words that can get God's attention. If I use these words with this particular tone of voice, then God will pay attention. We often try to impress God with our words, but we don't need to do that. We are praying to our Heavenly Father. We are not praying to one another. We need to keep note of that. We are not praying to the people around us. We are praying to God who has all power and who knows exactly what we are praying about. He did not catch him by surprise. He's not looking for the articulateness of our words. We just have to be real. Some of you probably heard this story before. It's about a teenage boy who was going on a blind date. He goes to the pharmacy and goes up to the, the pharmacist or druggist and says, I'd like to buy three one-pound boxes of chocolates. And the druggist says, the candy is over there on the shelf. But it would be less expensive if you buy one three-pound box. The teenager says, I know, but I want three one-pound boxes. And the druggist says, okay, but I'm curious. Why do you need three one-pound boxes? And the teenager explained, I have a blind date tonight. When I go to pick up this young lady, when she gets in the car with me, if she sits over next to me rather than over by the door, then I'm going to give her a box of chocolate. And he winks at the druggist and says, you know what I mean. Then he said, when we get to the movies, after we have eaten our popcorn and are kind of relaxed, I'm going to yawn and put my arms around her, and if she doesn't move away, I'm going to give her the second box of chocolate. Then when I take her home and, and walk her to the door, if she lets me kiss her, good night, I'm going to give her the third box of chocolate. And he winked at the druggist and said, you know what I mean. The druggist sold him the chocolate. The young man went to pick up his date. He had to have dinner with the family first. And the young lady's father asked this young man, this teenager, to say the grace. He prayed for every dish of food, for every person seated at the table. He even prayed for missionaries, even though he did not know any. He prayed and prayed and prayed. They thought, 
he would never end. But finally, he did. They ate the meal, and as he and the young lady were walking out to the car, she looks at him and she said, I didn't know you were so religious. And he said, I didn't know your father was a druggist. <laughs> See, he really wanted to be impressive. And quite often, uh, we do this in our prayers. We want to impress in those people who are around us that we know what to say and, and that we have the right words to use. A lot of abuse has gone on in the name of prayer. We try to impress others with our prayers, even giving the resume of the person we are praying for as though God does not know. I've heard people trying to sound so knowledgeable and scholarly. But we don't need to impress anyone when we are praying to our God. Our prayers are heard by God, even without the fancy words that sometimes we think we have to use. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 6, 7 and 8, when you pray, don't talk on and on as people who don't know God. They think God likes to hear long prayers. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need even before you ask. And that is the contemporary English version's rendition of those verses. So when you pray then, just be real. That's all God wants of you, to be real in your, in your prayers. Don't try to make an impression on anybody. Simply talk to the Lord as your father, and he will hear you and answer you according to his will. But thirdly, we must believe that prayer makes a difference. The early Christians believed it did. This was why they gathered uh, in someone's home to pray for Peter's deliverance. And he was miraculously delivered from prison and from certain death. Prayer does make a difference. Several years ago, Dr. John Wimber, the founding pastor of the Vineyard Church, was speaking at a conference. He had helped to start hundreds of vineyard churches in the U.S. and abroad. There's a vineyard church in, in Boston, there's one in Cambridge, and elsewhere in Massachusetts. Vineyard churches have been known for their healing services, where people with all kinds of diseases are prayed for and healed. At the conference, Dr. Wimber, who was diagnosed with terminal cancer, was asked the question, do you still believe in healing even though you are dying of cancer? Indeed, a short time after the conference, he, he passed on to be the Lord. But to the question, do you still believe in healing, Dr. Member said, through the years, I and others have prayed for thousands of people to be miraculously healed. Honestly, most were not. Some were. What I know, in every case, prayer helped. God uses prayer to comfort, to encourage, to strengthen faith, and to lift spirits. In every case, prayer helps, says Dr. Bimber. Researchers are studying the impact of prayer on the healing process. The most famous study was done by Dr. Randolph Bird at the University of California. He took 400 cardiac 
patients that were hospitalized due to heart attacks. He put half in a study group, but didn't tell anyone. He gave their names to Christians all across the country and said, pray for these people. The people who were praying didn't know the patients, and the patients didn't know that they were being prayed for. Half of the heart patients were being prayed for, half were not. They all received the same state-of-the-art, high-level cardiac medical treatment. The results were astounding. Those who were prayed for were less likely to develop congestive heart failure, five times less likely to require antibiotics, and fewer developed pneumonia. None of them died. Another medical researcher who evaluated this study said, quote, if the therapy being evaluated had been a new drug, it would undoubtedly have been heralded as a medical breakthrough, end of quote. At Peoples, we don't need a medical study to tell us that prayer works. We know that it works. We have evidence that it works. And this is why we continue to pray and pray sincerely morning, noon, and night, uh, not only for ourselves, but for one another. And it is so such a blessing to hear the praise of God's people uh, on Wednesday evening at the, prayer, at the prayer service or Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock as we pray for those who are ill. Not all of them survive, but some of them do, and we give God thanks for that. So I'm not suggesting in any way that we give up medical treatment and just pray. Get the best medical care available and add to that prayer. God wants his children to pray about whatever their needs are because he cares for us. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. When we are praying for one another, we become partners with God in his healing work. We are also fulfilling the command that's found in Romans 12:15: Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. And we do that as a church family. And we will continue to do that because throughout the centuries of the existence of this church, we have seen the miraculous power of God at work in the lives of his children. But fourthly, we must be aware of the things that hinder prayer. We don't have to be perfect when we pray, or none of us could pray. But there are things in our life that can affect whether or not our prayers bless or help other people. Someone called them prayer busters. But the first one that I would like to mention is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. For all our talking about prayer, not a whole lot of praying gets done. How many of us had good intentions about prayer, but not prayed as we wanted to? We said we're going to pray for someone and we forget all about it because life is so busy and, and our minds are crowded with different things to remember. 
It is for that reason that when someone asks me to pray for them, I pray right there. I don't say I'm going to. I pray with them. I've uh, done it at the back of the church as, as someone tells me they're going to go into the hospital and they want me to pray for them, and it's something that I have practiced. I don't get on the phone with uh, one of my members without praying for them on the phone. James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. The reason our prayers are not being answered is we haven't prayed them yet. We haven't asked. Researchers tell us that 25% of people surveyed say that prayer is their last resort. It is the last resort for some people even in the sanctuary or listening to me. And we wonder why we aren't blessing people with our prayers. Do you find yourself unable to sleep? You wake up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep. Well, that's a good time to pray. Because if you start praying, the devil will put you to sleep. (laughs) He doesn't want you praying because he knows that prayer has power and God will respond to your prayer. So all you need to do is just to start praying and God will hear you. You get in a pattern where all day long, The line is open and you and God are in an ongoing conversation. You don't have to kneel down or um, be in any particular posture. All you need to do is to be talking to God, just as you would be talking to a friend. But the second hindrance to prayer is selfishness. James 4, 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Much of our prayers, rather than being for other persons, boils down to being about us. But we need to realize that we should put others first, and then God will take care of us. We don't have to be, be concerned about ourselves. If we are concerned about others, God is there to honor um, Uh, his word to us. A third hindrance of prayer is unconfessed sin. See, when we have been rebelling against God, not listening to him, not living life his way, is that the best time to ask God for a favor? I don't think so. We need to settle matters with God, confess our disobedience, and ask for forgiveness. Then our prayers will be heard and answered. In Isaiah 59, 1 through 3, the prophet Isaiah is addressing the people of Israel. And he says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. And um, to make it short, John gives us a solution here to unconfessed sin. In John, 1 John chapter 1, 8 and 9, where he says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all 
unrighteousness. Well, number four, the last thing that hinders prayer is lack of faith. In Acts chapter 12, the Christians had been praying earnestly for Peter to be released. But what happens when he shows up? The people were stunned that he is there. They had a hard time believing that God had answered their prayers. It's the same thing with us. When God answers our prayers, we are so surprised, and, and of course we are thankful too. But I think a lot of times when we pray, we are not expecting God to answer. But here's what I know. Somebody in that room believed God would deliver Peter. Because God won't answer prayer if there's no faith. It takes faith to please God, and he works when his children believe. So somebody in that meeting was praying in faith, believing that God would hear an answer. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. It was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Faith is believing that God answers prayer if for no other reason than the fact that he promised that he would. The best prayer we can offer that will bless others is for the conversion of our family members, friends, neighbors, and people we know. Parents, friends, neighbors, or family members have prayed for us before we accepted Christ as our Savior. We did not even know that they were praying, but they were praying. For some of us, they were praying before we were born that we would come to know Christ and to accept him as our Savior. So who are you praying for? Believe that God will answer your prayers as you pray according to his will for those who need your prayers, my brothers and sisters. We need to go before God with the same faith of our ancestors. For the past, um, not only 2,000 years, but um, probably 6,000 years. Because their faith enabled them to stay calm in the midst of their crises. To have peace in the midst of their problems. To experience joy in the midst of their sorrow. To press on in the midst of their pain and their suffering. With this faith, they leaned heavily upon the everlasting arms of God. They knelt patiently at the foot of the cross. They walked calmly through the valley of the shadow of death. They bowed reverently before the throne of God and waited expectantly for the answer to their prayers. Their faith delivered them in times of difficulties and disasters, strengthened them in times of trials and temptations, sustained them in times of illness and suffering, and led them in times of darkness and despair. We can do no less if we expect to see miracles. And so let us bless others with our prayers for them. And remember that God never fails. Just keep the faith and never cease to pray. Just walk upright, call on him noon, day, or night, He'll be there, he'll be there. There's no need to worry, for God never fails. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. 
People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.